I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Jennifer. She has Ramsey Hunt disease. Let's talk about it. Well, today we're joined by Jennifer, uh, the day after her birthday, the day after the day after a big bender out at a very fancy uh, tiki bar. (laughs) Jennifer, I'm I'm. uh, We might have to cut that. We didn't even ask if uh, Jennifer (laughs) beforehand if we could include that on the podcast. (laughs) Well, hey, it's okay. This is this is welcome to the show. uh, Yeah, exactly. We we don't ask many questions. Uh, Actually, that's all we all we do. We just ask questions. Um, uh, So, first of all, happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, how was your How was your celebrations? Was it fun? It was awesome. Sweet. It was really awesome. Um, went to the shameful tiki room. Had a bunch of tiki drinks. Had they make all their food there, so it's delicious. The shameful tiki room sounds like a strip club, but um, <laughs> we'll just we'll just let that slide. That's the shameful. I don't know why they call room. it shameful, but <laughs> they do sometimes have hula dancers called Go Go Bungalow. But they, oh, well, they, unfortunately, well, due to COVID, they're not having that right now. No right. live music yeah. allowed. Of course. Of course. Put the kibosh on Hulu dancers. God damn it. Um, so, <laughs> Jennifer, I'm excited to talk to you for a number of reasons. Um, like I mentioned, we're talking about things that we've never really covered on the show. Um, and maybe I mentioned that before we started recording. Um, but the other thing is that you used to be, or, or maybe currently are, correct me if I'm wrong, but used to be a hospice nurse. I was, yes. Amazing. Yeah. What, I mean, we've talked about hospice Mm-hmm. And I've I've spoken at a number of hospice conferences over the years. Um, before we get into your your life as as someone living with illness, what what was your experience like as a as a hospice nurse? How did you find that work? Um, I was I, I used to work in a nursing home. Like I put my my myself through school um, with student loans and also from working at a nursing home. And so when you're working in a nursing home, you get exposed to people that are passing away. I mean, people are frequently in their seventies and eighties when they're admitted. Some of them have had strokes. Some of them have other types of diseases like heart disease or renal disease. And, you know, I just, I enjoyed being able to connect with the families and with the the residents. I mean, they became part of our family. And yeah. when I went into nursing, I did a bunch of different types of rotations. I did operating room. I did um, a little bit of time in the post anesthetic care unit. I did a lot of medical surgical. And I decided that um, when a chance came up to do my, my final perceptorship in um, palliative care, I decided that I would go for it because Number one, it was a 10 bed ward. So it means that you can spend more time with your patients. There's way mm. less rushing around. You have the, the ability to make them a milkshake if that's what they want. Yeah. You know, they actually get to know you. Um, I mean, on the, on the opposite side of that, it's, it's difficult work. Um, I did love it. You know, the, the, the staff were amazing. We were uh, like a, a small family. We mm. all supported one another. If one of us had had a particularly bad experience, someone would call them the next day on a day off to make sure they were okay. Yeah. And just that sense of community. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things that I noticed in, in the conversations that I've had with people who work in the field is that there's like a really true there's a really intense like camaraderie and mm-hmm. and that 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 quality of like family that you mentioned that that yeah. comes up a lot in in the in speaking with the people that work in the field of hospice and so it's which is nice it's nice to know that you know it's funny my first inclination when I think of um well actually I guess when I think of like a lot of healthcare like a lot of sectors of healthcare I think of my first inclination is to think oh that must be really hard and like really hard and really tough to manage emotionally because there's so much 
there's so much uh, hardship and yeah. loss happening, and especially obviously in 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 palliative care and hospice care. And then and then I actually am reminded that that's what I think. That's what I know. A lot of people think about what we do in talking to yeah. people who are sick, and it couldn't yeah. be more the opposite. It's kind of like yeah. it's this like very enlightening, very fulfilling, um, very uh, you know oft, so, oftentimes heavy, but ultimately light yeah. lighter experience of being able to talk openly and stuff. So. Um, yeah, it's it's funny how it's funny how even though within my experience of doing this and knowing that this is a very rewarding and fulfilling experience, uh, how I how that's the first that's like where my brain goes when I th- when yeah. I think of mm-hmm. of that, and I'm assuming that's probably pretty that's probably pretty common that 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 people think that about about hospice care. Yeah, I mean, people will say, "Oh, I'd never be able to do what what you did." Yeah. Um, and I, I'll say, "Did because I had to give it up when I got arthritis because I couldn't lift patients anymore." These patients are very, very dependent. A lot of them have, um, you know, uh, uh, advanced cancer, in the, and it ends up in their bones and stuff. So they have to move very, very carefully, and a lot of them can't move around on their own. So when I started getting neck and and uh, and hand issues, I just couldn't do it anymore. So. Um, but I do, I, I miss it. Um, but, you know, my colleagues are dealing with the same thing on other floors, right? Like my husband is a respiratory therapist and he worked in the ICU, primarily, um, you know, special care nursery, um, CSIC, which is a cardiac surgery ICU. And they have desks there too. But the thing is, is it's mostly focused on, you know, how can we save them? And a lot of times if you get somebody that's palliative, but ventilated, which we don't have on our floor, they don't have what I call as good a death as they would have on our floor. Mm. And that's because they're trained to save people at all costs. And it's a lot of times very hard for physicians and other health professionals to let go and hard for the families to let go because they're not in that headspace. Yeah. Whereas our patients, like we had a wedding on our unit and it was beautiful. And we had um, someone whose dog was sleeping on the end of the bed and we would take the dog out. And, you know, I was making milkshakes at three in the morning because if somebody (laughs) wants a milkshake, we want to make sure that, you know, they can have a milkshake, even if their wife isn't at the bedside. Yeah. 3am milkshakes. I mean, that's my favorite thing in the world. I I would say banana milkshake. Yeah, 3 a.m. Yeah. Dude, Jeremy yeah. loves his triple thick. Fucking love his triple thick. <laughs> Jennifer, how did how did um how did your or did your uh relationship with the idea of death change uh throughout the course of doing that job? Um, it did. And, and even in the nursing home, it did. And I'll still re- I still remember the first time I saw a death. Um not everybody deals with it maturely. Um you know, I had somebody following me around the rest of the day going, boo, you know, and I'm like, oh, come on. Oh, geez. You know, I mean, that's ridiculous. I was 18 when I started working at the nursing home. And, you know, it's, I think, you know, you have to, if you're going to, going to be mentoring someone, you have to be mature about it. I mean, this person was twice my age, right? Plus, plus it's just bad comedy, really. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is bad comedy. (laughs) Um, The other I mean, thing I, is, I, I love me some low hanging fruit, but that that fruit's been on the ground <laughs> yeah. and has yeah, been rotting rotten. for days. <laughs> it's rotten. Yeah. It's kind of funny yeah. in hindsight, but like, yeah, uh, not the story not in is. The moment. It's it's funny that somebody thought that that was funny. Yeah, but it's not fun. Right, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. I hear you. <laughs> well, and you know, every death I've seen has been peaceful, right? Mm. So, you know, you come across, you know, you know, the movie industry stuff where. You know, they talk about, you know, the whole bad person going to hell thing. Well, I've never experienced it. I've never seen it. And I've seen a lot of deaths. I work night shift and a yeah. lot of deaths happen on night shift. They're all peaceful. Mm. I mean, some people you just walk in and find that they've slipped away and you come in to give their two o'clock meds and they're gone yeah. and they're just still. But you I mean, how, how would you know if they didn't slip away right into hell? You know, like, like <laughs> we really don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're right. There is that. Que- I guess there is that question mark that really hangs over. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, but wait, before I had, I had one more question about that. You me- you mentioned that a lot of people die at at nighttime. Is that is do people die more often during the night? Because my yes. experience with people that I I know, like family and extended family who have passed away. It's almost always been at nighttime. Yeah. Why is you know, that? Do you know? I 
I've come to believe, and this is my personal belief, I don't you know, I can't say it for you know, my colleagues and whatnot, but I firmly believe that a lot of people have more control over how fast they go, yeah. right? That there are people that will hang on to see, say, the new millennium. 2000, which is, you know, one of the, we had a lot of deaths after 2000s. People were hanging on to see the, the new millennium. They were hanging on to see a grandchild born. They were, you know, and they'll, they'll make it. Mm-hmm. And then there are some that they're just, they, they've done what they need to do. They're at peace. And within a couple of days, they've slipped away peacefully. Yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, there are some people that they choose to go alone. They know mm-hmm. that, that their family, they don't want them to have, to have that last memory of them. Yeah, And yeah. I think they just, you know, there's a subconscious choice there. I feel like also, like, I, I've never thought about this until this moment right now, but I feel like also there's something to, there's something about it that sort of makes a lot of sense to me in the, in the sense that, you know, every day we almost, all of us experience, you know, a form of death every day when we go to sleep. You know, it's yeah. like, the, it's the death of the day that you just had. It's It's the natural time that your body goes, all right, time to shut down some some key areas of the body and like yes. go into this like state of of letting go and this state of deep rest and this state of yep. you know and so like it, it yeah it sort of makes sense that like if you're if that's what our body naturally does every single day for the entire existence of our life when it comes yeah. to the end it's like why why yeah. not just kind of like go into that final rest i'd be interested to know if there's also something uh to do with how like your vitals kind of just yeah drop into yeah. an idol they like idol yeah. at night yeah and they're not you know they're not revved up i bet You're you there's some awake. science behind this that, that we could, could probably well yeah. be that we could <laughs> probably yeah. find. i mean i remember when the millennium i was 10 years old when we crossed over into the 2000s and i remember when Will Smith released Willennium that I said to myself, I'm ready to go. You know what? I, I, I think that the reason, and then we can put this to bed after this, but I think that the reason why people pass through the night is because everybody knows that at nighttime ghosts are more active. Mm-hmm. So, yes. you know, if you imagine like when you, the room is dark and the ghosts are there, mm-hmm. they're probably sort of beckoning Mm-hmm. That person, like, hey, come on, come on into the afterlife. I've been watching a lot certainly of not hell. I've but, been watching a lot yeah. of horror lately, and that is certainly true. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, thinking 100%. more like Casper. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, you you alluded to it earlier about uh, living with arthritis, but yeah. um, and we've talked about arthritis on the show a number of times. I think we've hit rheumatoid arthritis a couple of times, and um, and maybe another type of arthritis. But this is actually an arthritis that I've never heard of. Uh, psoriatic arthritis. Yes. So, so we're going to be talking about that, but also we're going to be talking about Ramsey hunt disease, um, which is super fascinating, but let's start with the psoriatic arthritis. What, what does that word mean? Psoriatic? So it's a skin disease, um, psoriasis and the arthritis is associated with the skin disease or the inflammation that attacks the body. And some of us are unlucky enough to have symptoms in other body systems. Um, I actually have a couple of friends with the same disease as myself, and um, I have it in my skin and in my joints, and it's possibly in my bowels as well. And I have a friend that has it in all three. So, you know, like rheumatoid arthritis can attack hearts and lungs, um, psoriatic has certain pathways that that it goes to. And what really blows my mind in some cases is some people can have the disease and not and their psoriasis doesn't break out until they get the, 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 the joint problems. Huh. So, you know, it's, that can be very hard to diagnose in those cases if they don't have the skin disease or it's so minor that they don't know. Uh, they end up misdiagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or something like that until all of a sudden you see that telltale rash and then you know that you have. So, so psoriasis is a direct result of the arthritis itself? No, it's a skin disease that's genetically based and runs in families. Um, I can't exactly remember the genes that it lays on. There may be more than one, but um, it's really common in family lines. My grandmother had it. My dad has it. I have it. 
Um, and my dad was diagnosed with arthritis as well, but many years after me. So can you, can you remind us what arthritis is? Arthritis is an inflammation of joints and the lining within the joints. So, um, you get a lot of inflammatory, um, items or inflammatory chemicals going into and around joints, which makes them swell. And then they're hot. Um, some people get fevers, um, skin rashes, I've uh, got a, a, another friend with rheumatoid arthritis where his first symptoms were in his lungs. Whoa. And that those tend to be more unusual cases, but I had, I've had that psoriatic rash since I was in my late teens and I developed the arthritis in my 29th year. And when you Whoa. say, and when you say that it's, um, that it, when, whenever I think of arthritis, my, 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 the first thing that pops in my head is like joints, joints and in, in inflammation. Yes. And when, and when you say that it could be in your bowel and you have a friend who where it is in the bowel, how does, how does that manifest? How, how does it, how does it, how does it show up in, in, in attacking the bowel? So you, you get a lot of tummy cramps, a lot of diarrhea. You end up almost having like a Crohn's or colitis type presentation. Um, and it is inflammation there yes, as well. Yes, it's an inflammation. So it's inflammation run crazy. Right. Your, your immune system is attacking itself instead of attacking, you know, invaders. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's big under the uh, umbrella of autoimmune disease. You said, you said that this, um, uh, started to show up in your teens, but it, but you didn't get diagnosed until 29. Well, we knew I had the psoriasis, so that had been an issue since I was about 15. Um, but the arthritis showed up sometime around, I had a workplace accident and I don't know if that triggered it or, um, you know, I had a sore, actually it wasn't, no, it wasn't a workplace accident. It was a home accident that left me out of the workplace. I slipped in the tub and fell and, um, my neck was never right after that. And I, I had thought for quite some time that it was, you know, uh, just, uh, from the fall, but then we started doing some testing and, and, we realized that it was some kind of arthritis, but we didn't know what kind. And then I went to see a rheumatologist who was able to diagnose me based on my skin and family history. Wow. It, when, when someone has psoriasis at like a young age, is, is there any conversations about the possibility down the road of developing psoriatic, psoriatic um, arthritis? No, or- no one ever said anything to me. I, I, I think it, it's somewhere around 20% of people will get psoriatic arthritis that have psoriasis. So way uh, more people have psoriasis than ever get psoriatic arthritis. Right. Yeah. Man, you think people would bring it up though, because like when you go, 20% still, a, when you go like, a, uh, you know? like when you, some people go to the casino to gamble because they think they're going to win and the odds are less than 20% that they'll win, but they still go to the casino, you know? So <laughs> sure. it seems like, mm. Yes. 20% odds. It seems like people, more people would be talking yeah. about that. And everyone yeah. who's going to the casino is perfectly rational. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, you, you hope they are. Yeah. How, how did you go about getting that arthritis um, uh, diagnosis? Like you, you, you hurt your neck and, and like, what was the, what was the lead up to the actual like diagnosis that, that you had psoriatic arthritis? I was actually seeing a sports medicine doctor for my neck because I was working out and wanting to do more um, activity. I was training to do a sun run and a few other things. Um, And so he just said, you know, this kind of looks like it might be what he called seronegative arthritis, which means that I don't have um, the marker in my blood for uh, rheumatoid arthritis. There's a rheumatoid factor that people see in the blood for those that have RA and I didn't have it, but he, he was noticing that it was moving to other joints. This guy was particularly on the ball. So he sent me over to GF strong to do some tests to make sure I didn't have something really ugly like ALS. Um, and then they sent me to a rheumatologist and the rheumatologist, that's all they see all day is swollen joints. So based on the test results and the, um, the skin disease and the family history, he said, well, you probably have psoriatic arthritis and here's the medication that you can take and hopefully it will help. Huh. And, and, uh, go, go ahead. Well, I, was just, I was on the topic of, of, of medication and like treatment 
for for something like this. Like I I feel like my my mind also with arthritis goes to uh a a long history of people just dealing with a really shitty situation. Yeah. Like I, I don't I I don't know I can't I can't really pull any examples out of my mind of being like, yeah, arthritis and then and then, you know, I did this and I did that and like all good. It's all it's it's it seems like a lot of a lot of like, you know, and and it just it just really fucks up a lot of stuff in yeah. my life and it doesn't really go away and I and it's really hard to manage and and the tr- and the treatments I mean from what we've heard in the past can be really intense you know like like if if I'm if I remember correctly I remember I think I remember either it was Megan or or even Aaron who we had on the show with arthritis were saying they were taking like like low dose chemo like like it was like a mm-hmm. yeah. chemotherapy type drug to, methotrexate yeah that's it yeah that's it methotrexate yeah I couldn't tolerate it I limped along on that for almost eight years and I would wake up green like to throw up and um, it just made me feel so sick and it helped some but never really cleared it and finally my um, dermatologist talked to my rheumatologist because dermatologists have a much higher threshold for prescribing some of the really fancy expensive drugs you have to be covered head to toe in psoriasis before they can approve you so he and my rheumatologist at the time put their heads together and said you know maybe you should try a biologic which was Humira and right before I went to the Humira I literally had no skin on my feet in 2007 I had psoriasis all over my feet. Like I'd have to slather my feet in cortisone um, ointment, put Ugh. baggies on them and then put um, like slippers on them and then go to bed like that to try and Whoa. keep my skin intact. And my hands were the same way. Like you'd get these pustules all over my hands and it would come and go. Like sometimes it would be really bad. And sometimes it wouldn't be usually in the summer. It's better because sun helps why it helps. We don't know. Uh-huh. And so I would say in March of 2007, I started Humira. And for me, that drug was a miracle, a fucking miracle. I went from not being able to tie my own shoes to working out in a gym in about three months. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. And it's so crazy. Like every time we talk about skin diseases, it's just, it never ceases to just boggle my mind how debilitating skin issues can be. You know, it's oh, like yeah. it's just so. I mean, just imagine. You I know, mean, like as soon you, as like, you have like as soon as you have a minor, a minor skin issue, it it makes it like Brian and I made a made a set of doors this past weekend, mm-hmm. and from cutting the wood and the sawdust on Saturday night, <laughs> my face was so irritated and dry from the sawdust. Yep. And I, and I, and that's just, and it's all encompassing. And that was just, and that was just me. Ma- I was just making some doors and this is going to yep. go away in a few hours. And also ago. it wasn't like visible it wasn't to visible. Any, anybody was, else, but the irritating. Factor. I was just going, Holy shit. Yeah. My face <laughs> is on fire. Yeah. And I, and it's, it hurts. Yeah. And it was, it was now it imagine was all dealing with that chronically. I know. You right. Know? Every day, all day. Yeah. It's just, it's, like, it, how did they, yeah. how did you do, how, how did you do life? When, when this was flared up, um, well, before, before the Humera, I suppose, bedroom slippers, I wore a lot, I wore bedroom slippers. I, like if I had to go to the mall or whatever, I, I wore slippers. It's fashion. Yeah. Slippers, sweatpants, and you know, a, a fleece top, like, you know, cause my, my joints were so sore. I couldn't do it. And, and you have to, you have to lose a certain amount of pride. I mean, I have the best husband in the world. He doesn't, it doesn't matter to him that you know, right now my back looks like an alligator, right? It doesn't matter to him that I can't, that he has to put the cream on my back. Mm. It, 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 you know, he's tied my shoes, he's buttoned my shirts. He's, and he knows I'd do the same for him. Yeah. It's is just it, one of those relationships where you feel totally comfortable with someone. It would, mm. it would also be a lot, like really helpful if he had like an alligator thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like if alligators were his thing. And he was like, did, did, Jennifer, did it, did it take, did it take you time to get the there? Scales. And like, especially like early on in relationships was, was, was that a challenge for you? Like, like being, was intimacy a challenge for you? Um, not at the time because it wasn't, like it would come and then it would go. So when I was dating my husband, I didn't have any psoriasis except on my head. Mm. 
And then as the arthritis came, then it would flare up and then it would go away because the methotrexate would, would beat it back. And then it would, you know, it's, it's very <laughs> intermittent. Um, like right now I'm a mess skin wise because the COVID vaccines have just made my immune system go completely insane. Right. Whoa, really? Do you know of any other kind of triggers? Like would stress play a role? In, yes. in t- yeah. Yeah. Stress will play a role. Yeah. It's so, uh, this is, this is a slightly off topic, but I, but on the topic of immune autoimmune things, um, something that recently blew my mind and all of our minds. I think we talked about it a little bit on one of the feel good Friday episodes was that I was listening to this, um, radio lab episode about, and it was all about, uh, um, it was about, uh, what the placenta does. It was yeah. about the placenta. Right. And it was that it was talking about this evolutionary, evolutionary thing where because, because when a female gets pregnant and they, their, their immune systems are depleted when they become uh, during pregnancy, evolutionarily females have adapted to have overactive immune systems Mm. on average outside of pregnancy to account for the drop in immune function when pregnancy occurs. Right. And there's a theory that that, that it's, it's something like it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it, it, there's a big imbalance in terms of autoimmune disorders in, in females yes, and males. Is. And they think yeah. that that might be why that to account for this immune drop in pregnancy, females on average have overactive, uh, more active immune systems than men. And so because of that overactive immune system or more active immune system, higher prevalence of autoimmune disorders develop, which- And and that makes sense. It it really does. Because, you know, a lot of women in pregnancy have remission from their arthritis only for it to come back once the baby's born. Right. right. They talked about, they talked about, and this was, these were more rare cases, but, uh, but women who were, who were trying to almost perpetually be pregnant because it was- such incredible relief yeah. from from a condition that was you know dominating their life, and they become yeah. pregnant, and it go and it goes away, and like you know in next to one hundred percent relief from from the condition. It was yeah. really really fascinating. Um, I, I'm so I'm dying to know like you know slowly transitioning here into Ramsey Hunt disease. Mm-hmm. Man, that really annoys me. Ramsey Hunt disease. I hope it wasn't <laughs> a guy named Ramsey Hunt who there was, was like There was a guy named Ramsey Hunt. It was a, he was a it was. physician. Ramsey Hunt more like Ramsey Never mind. I'm not going to say. Were you going to say Ramsey Cunt? Whoa, why are you so, I wasn't going to say. <laughs> like, don't put God, words wait, in my why mouth. Why are you so upset with this physician? Yeah, he had to name the disease after himself. Every physician does <laughs> that. They all do yeah. that, man. That's what? every doctor. Dr. Cystic Fibrosis named it after him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. Um, so <laughs> Ramsey Hunt disease, get over it, Bri, uh, is, is, so I, I, I really don't know anything about it at all. I tried to like not look into it as much as possible before this conversation, <laughs> but I know that it's tied to shingles. It but is. Before, but before we get into shingles and Ramsey Hunt, is any of this tied to the, the arthritis? Yes, and the it is. Wow. It is. Goodness. Because I'm immune compromised from the Humira. So it puts me and others like me 
at risk for things like shingles and sepsis and other right. infections. Um, a lot of, of what the black box warnings are on some of these biologic drugs is that we are susceptible to infections and, and they don't know certain, potentially certain cancers. They don't know if our overactive immune systems predispose us to cancer or if it's the drug. And it's one of those things that I don't think they'll know for years until they start yeah. looking at those of us that were, that were among the first to take these medications. Right. What, so, so, what, so, what so is a, just really quick before we get into it, what is a biologic and um, mm. what is Humira? Because I'm so familiar with like the Price is Right commercials or what, right. like, okay. you know, like they, right. when they're talking about it, but I don't actually, I can't remember what it is and I, I can't remember what a biologic is. So it's, it's a, I think it, what it means is it's like a DNA synthesized medication. So they're making it in a lab. Um, I don't know a hundred percent how, but they, is what's called a monoclonal antibody. Okay. And some of the early ones used, um, I think they actually incubated the cells in Chinese hamster ovaries. And it was really funny because we used Whoa. to howl initially and go, and, and people would look like, I can't remember who, a friend of me would go, go <laughs> make little hamster faces at me, you know, because we, we, we were reading to see whether or not Humira had, had the cells were incubated in Chinese hamster ovaries. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's really funny. And it's, it's a whole new class of medication. And mine works on a specific um, immune, I don't know if it's a cell or something that's secreted from a cell, but it's called tumor necrosis factor. And I think what they find is that there are some of us that have too much of that that's secreted by certain immune cells. And I can't remember if they're T cells or B cells. I'd have to, to look that up. But, and there are some people that try, you know, biologic after biologic and don't have the kind of relief that I got. Mm. So I consider myself incredibly lucky. I mean, even though I have psoriasis all over my back and on my palm right now. I, you know, my rheumatologist and I are like, well, it's really helping your arthritis and you make jewelry for a living. So maybe we should just leave that alone right now and, you know, get you into a light box and see if that helps. Right. Your, you know, your skin. And is Humera, is Humera, is, is that Humera's prescribed, uh, like intent, intended use? For, yeah. for, arth for arthritis. It's for arthritis, for Crohn's disease, and for um, psoriasis. Okay. The, the demo that watches Price is Right. Yeah. 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 Which, which, right. which that demo is everyone. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's also, it makes anyone staying home sick from school, <laughs> moms, <laughs> dads, everyone. I used to watch CNN a lot. Like, I, this would have been like pre COVID, like 2018. And, uh, and the, the daytime uh, pharma ads yeah. on through TV. the roof. Or, dude, it's yeah. like it's nuts. Um, uh, so I so back going back to the Ramsey Hunt. Um, and and specifically, I want to I want to talk about shingles. And, and I know that probably like ninety nine percent of the listeners are familiar with the fact that shingles was. Uh, discovered in 1920 by Dr. Michael Shingle. Um, and, you know, th I mean, that's that's old news, but... Hold on. Um, is that... I'm assuming you goog you gave that a goog. Yes, <laughs> no, I just made that up. No, Dr. Shingle? There's Come no on. There's no Dr. Shingles. Nobody names diseases after themselves. No, so many. Except no. Ramsey. No, so many dick. do. So, so uh, putting, putting Dr. Shingle aside, um, uh, what is what the fuck is Shingles? Shingles is the devil. Yeah. Shingles is the devil. It's the fucking devil. I, you know, I saw so many cases of shingles in the nursing home because mm. as you age, your immune system is not as strong and you're more vulnerable, which is why they recommend everybody get Shingrix after 50. Mm -hmm. Well, I just turned 50 and I was just about to go get it. Well, bam. Right. Oh, no. And so, you know, I just saw, I, I, you know, I had a friend had it, she had it, it was painful, but it was around the side of, of, of her, um, her, her torso, which is where it's common, seeing it on, uh, my, our dog walker had, had it on her head, mm. on her scalp. And I know that it sometimes can hit the eye, but you know, most of the patients I treated, they were uncomfortable. We gave them some antiviral cream that we'd put on it. And, you know, sometimes they'd go on a little bit of, of, uh, of gabapentin, which is a, an anti-seizure medication they use for neuropathic pain. And in three or four weeks, it would flake off and, you know, they'd feel better. Yeah. And it's like, a, it's no a rash, idea. right? It's like a, it's kind of like an, a nasty. The blistering rash. Blistering rash, right? I've, yeah. I've thought of it. Is it wrong to think of it as like, I've thought of it as like 
like a local adult chicken pox? It's not as much like chicken pox because, I, well, then I don't remember being five, but I don't remember there yeah. being a lot of blisters. Okay. Um, this is more of a blister and it usually follows a nerve root. Okay. So wherever right. it happens uh, to be hiding is where it will come out. So, you know, and I've, I've since heard of many more people having shingles and or Ramsey hunt, although Ramsey hunt is quite rare. Um, neither my general practitioner nor the infectious disease doctor that treated me in the hospital I was admitted to had ever seen a case in their entire career. Mm, wow. So, so I, I'm, I'm really interested to know what exactly Ramsey, what exactly Ramsey hunt is because I think I'm, I didn't know that until you just said that, but I might also, I might know somebody who, I you're gonna say, I have who, it. I, who had it I as, have it. Who had it as well. Um, which so you go it's ahead. Yeah. Basically it's shingles that erupts in the face, not the eye, but the face. So what happens is there's a certain ganglion that comes out from a nerve root. I think it's called the geniculate ganglion. And Named there's several. After Dr. Nick geniculate. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Fuck that guy. <laughs> God, Brian, such and there, all the branches of the of the face of the of the facial nerve, they they basically innovate your entire half side of your face. Yeah. So I had a sore throat and I'd been vomiting because I I had vertigo and I went to the to the local emerge and they just thought I had acoustic neuritis. I'd had it before, which is a virus of your your ear nerve. And I didn't have any other symptoms. So they gave me some medication for the nausea and sent me home. And I had a, a sore throat and I thought nothing of it because I'd had a COVID test and, you know, they stick that thing up into your brain and wiggle it around. I mean, of course, the back of your nose and the back of your throat are going to be sore. Mm -hmm. I woke up the next morning and my face is like hanging there. And I looked at, I looked at it and said, oh my God, Mo, I think I've had a stroke. Mm. And, you know, so he comes running in and he said, okay, well, just let me check your throat. So he looks in my throat and he says, you look like you have herpes in your throat, like Whoa. cold sores all the way down your throat and on your tongue. And he says, see, take a look. And he, he shows me the picture that he just took of my mouth. And so he, he does some looking up and he says, you know, I think this is shingles based. So back to emerge, I go. And because it was COVID, you know, they pretty much because I'd had a COVID test, I, I barely got through the greeter at the door. He, she heard the word COVID and was like, no, you can't come in. And I'm like, well, am I supposed to die on the front steps here? So finally we get in and um, the doctor basically stands in the door of the isolation room and says, you have Bell's palsy. Here's some antivirals and some prednisone. Go home, take them. You'll, be, you'll feel better. And Bell's palsy is another type of facial palsy. Um, I don't really know what causes it, but it tends to resolve a lot quicker. So I go home, I take my meds and while I'm taking my meds, I start to feel better. Wait, how did and he, how would he have diagnosed? Just by looking if, at, like, just by, look by just looking at my face. throat and, and by looking at the fact that my face was flaccid. When okay. you have had a stroke, apparently yeah. your forehead still moves. Huh. So the fact that my forehead didn't move was a key to them that it was a facial palsy and not a stroke. Wow, interesting. Yeah. And so, Bell's palsy is a lot more common than Ramsey Hunt. So you so you were taking the medication and it and it seemed to be helping like it did. when you when you say feel better do you mean you started to get movement back in the left side of your face? No, it meant the vertigo was was better that I could actually sit up and not okay, okay. completely lose my lunch. <laughs> um and then after I stopped taking it, I started to feel worse and I started to kind of go by days. And then about a week after I'd finished starting it, I woke up and I thought that I was hanging from the ceiling. Like I oh. shit you not. I thought oh. I was hanging from the ceiling. So I called my husband and I said, I'm hanging the room's from the upside ceiling. Down. <laughs> the room's upside down. And I, mean, I sounded like I was on, you know, just had been on a lot of drugs or something. And, and he just said, I didn't look right. Um, I was throwing up so hard. I couldn't keep any food down. I hadn't Holy gone to the bathroom fuck. in hours. I started to have the runs. I had a fever and he said, you know, cause he worked in ICU for years. He says, you look septic and you need to go to the hospital. And I was out of it. And I said, I don't want to go. I can't get in the car. I'm, I'm not going to make it. 
So finally we had to call an ambulance and oh my um, God. I had to be, and the whole time I'm riding in the ambulance, I'm not seeing the guy sitting next to me. I'm seeing his feet, like he's laying on his back and I'm hanging onto the gurney thinking like that they're spinning it. It was just oh, so surreal. Whoa. whoa. So like you, you truly are like tripping the fuck out. Yeah. Like, I, I was, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like almost hallucinogenic. Yeah. Vertigo, like I, yeah. like I, I know vertigo, and I'm, I'm, I've never had it, but I'm, I'm familiar with the, the notion of it, and I can, like, I can imagine what that would feel like based on, you know, like having the spins from drinking too much or something yep. like that. But like, to, like, what I'm hearing you say is tripping balls, literally, <laughs> yeah. see, like, yeah. like perceiving the world in a way that the world is not to be perceived. Yeah, yep. and then wow. being incredibly sick while you're doing that and just thinking like, I can't leave this bed because I can't move. Were were you freaking out? I was freaking out. Yeah. I was bawling my face off. I was freaking right out. I have never felt that sick ever. And that's with the arthritis and everything else. And of course what's in the back of your mind is shit. I have COVID. Yeah. Right. Of course. Right. You're thinking I have COVID. And then you get to the hospital and they put you in an isolation room and shut the door. And the first thing the nurse says to you is, well, yeah, you've only been going to the store and stuff and you've been wearing your mask, but we've seen people come in here been getting it anyway. And you're thinking, shit, am I going to end up in the ICU with a ventilator tube down my throat yeah, and I want right. to go home, oh my right? God. Like, yeah. and yeah, That's so scary. It turned out that I had, I was septic. And Whoa. so I had viral sepsis and the shingles had spread down my legs and, and across the other side of my body. So I was ultimately diagnosed with disseminated shingles from being immunocompr- immunocompromised. Disseminating? Disseminated, disseminated shingles. shingles. Yeah. And what, did, what does that mean? Like, what did, how, does that set, uh, how does that set itself apart from, you know, you got shingles on your hip. So your it's body. shingles that crosses the body line. So you have rashes on the other side of the spine, lower, uh. higher, I think it's like 14 extra shingles on different parts of the body. And when that happens, the shingles, like normally it's what's called contact precautions, meaning that if you touch the rash and you haven't had chicken pox, you can get it, but it doesn't go in the air. So, but uh, they said that um, when you have disseminated shingles, it's airborne. So I, I got sent up to a room and put in isolation. Oh Whoa. my god, that's yeah. crazy! I you're like no a, idea. you're like a clicker from the fucking la- the the, yeah. the Last of Us. And it's yeah. a video game, but but it's like you know weird fucking zombie like airborne zombie illness. That's that, crazy. Yeah. That is uh, that is totally nuts. So where so so the so was the facial so was the facial stuff is the facial thing. Uh, is that Ramsey Hunt? Yes. So, yeah. so when it goes, I, I'm, I'm. So it's facial paralysis, um, shingles down the ear, and vertigo, <clears throat> vertigo and vestibular issues. So, yeah. Because I, I, wow. I'm. Uh, I, this was years and years ago, and I, and I was probably, I was probably twenty. I was in my early twenties, maybe twenty one, twenty two. And a guy that lived in my building that I was, uh, that that I was friends with. He got shingles, and he was probably in late twenties, maybe thirty or so. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that that was kind of strange because I had always heard, I had always associated shingles with you know being older, older people. Yeah. And he got shingles, and then and then our our roommate was like, uh, "Yeah, uh, Johnny's got uh, his whole side of his face uh, is paralyzed." And I remember seeing him and being like, "Holy shit, huh. that yeah. you know." And, and like somebody had drawn a line yeah. down the center of his face and it was just his eye was drooped, his mouth was yep. drooped. And I was blown away by by that. So is is when that happens and you have shingles, does like would that have to have to have been Ramsey Hunt for him? Or can, or can you get Bell's palsy? Well you can. Um not that it, we need to diagnose really this fine, guy. But. It's a really <laughs> fine line, right? Um, I was on the teaching service of the hospital and I have to say that was awesome. All these young students got to learn about Ramsey Hunt because, you know, there's so many people haven't seen it. And then I just hope that, you know, what the, the guy that was treating me really smart young man and wants to be a neurologist. So when he finally finishes, 
see someone looks like me and automatically think of Ramsey Hunt instead of, because, you know, there are, if you don't get the antivirals and the, and the prednisone within 72 hours, a lot of times you're, you, you are left with deficits and, and mm-hmm. I did, and I'm still left with deficits. Mm-hmm. Like you- if I smile, my eye shuts and, you know, my mouth is tight and things don't work right. And how long so ago did that, did this happen? A year, a year ago. And have you seen, has it been slow improvement? Like, what, do you think you'll always have, uh, have, have residual effects? From probably. It? Yeah, probably. Cause my face was a hundred percent paralyzed and it took at least three months for my eye to even be able to shut. Wow. Whoa. Wow. That is wild. When, yeah. when it takes three months for your eye to be able to shut, is there yeah, did you, you have, have to, to like use manually. eye drops or anything? Yes, yeah, yeah. so I had to, and I taped my eye shut with special silicone tape because otherwise oh. your cornea just becomes a, a dry mass. Yeah, so you have yeah. to worry about losing your eyesight. And I've permanently lost about three quarters of the hearing in my ear. Oh my God, oh. what a fucking disaster. So people think shingles is nothing much. Yeah. It can kill you. I've, I've met people where it went into their brain. Yeah. Gave them so, encephalitis. So like, let's say... Let's say I get shingles tomorrow, you know, like on, on my ass cheek. Mm. Don't um, look that. Don't tempt fate. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> le- so let's say that's the case. Um, wh- what, what is it that someone like myself would want to be doing to ensure that something like this doesn't happen? Or is it a case where, it's kind of up in the air and, and you don't really have that much control over it. Or, or are there pro- proactive things that you can do? Because I, you're right, like people don't, I've heard the word shingles. I know a couple of people that have gotten shingles in the last like f- five years. Yeah. And every time it happens, the first thought I have is like, oh, that's annoying. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like that's, that's, that's a subtle irritation that um, yeah. I'm not going to worry about. But now if I hear someone get shingles, I'm going to be like, listen, motherfucker, like, do what Jennifer said, but I, I, <laughs> what, so, so what are you going to say? <laughs> so if it's, it depends on where it lives and nobody knows what nerve it went into. If you had chicken pox, it could be, you know, could come around your ass cheek or, you know, your, your, your eye or your, your hand or your torso or, you know, or it could be in your face. So wait, um, so, sorry to cut you off. What is the, what's the tie? I'm, did I miss this? What is the tie in between shingles and chicken pox? It's the same virus that lays dormant in your system. It, so, it, so if you've had, so I had chicken pox when I was young. I have, I have the shingles virus hanging out in me somewhere. In a nerve root somewhere. It's just hibernating. Yep. Whoa. You're fucked, dude. So how does it, pre- how does it end <laughs> up presenting? It, it gets triggered somehow. Little bits of rash that burn. So you get these little, little red spots and, and they, they tingle. That's how you know. Right. So, okay. So, sorry, I cut you off there. You were saying, so let's say it, it, it comes out, it, it starts coming out of my ass, right? I, I got shingles coming out of my ass. Well, based I, on the do? fact that you're probably considered immunocompromised. I'm I would not. Get, I, I, I tec- not? Okay. Technically, no. Yeah. I just have a respiratory disease, but okay. I always thought that I was, but I'm, we, we thought, we thought he was uh, years. like until halfway through COVID. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then, and then someone was like, yeah, you're actually not. No oh, doctor going around not wearing masks, licking licking surfaces. It was a, it was a fucking party. Um, so 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 let's say I'm not I'm not immunocompromised. I got shingles coming out of my ass. What next? Go and get yourself some antivirals. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go don't and get f- yourself some acyclovir. Don't don't wait around. Don't fuck around. Like no. don't don't just if brush it off as as like a, a rash that might go away. Because well, and if it's on your ass cheek, it's going to burn. Yeah. If, I mean, you're going to sit down and it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you are immunocompromised, is it a, would it be a different approach? No, I mean, but just go sooner. You yeah, know, right. Be aware that if you have a rash that tingles, the sooner you get treatment, the less chance of side effects. I, the one thing that, um, that, that bl- always blows me away is the, I think the thing that's probably one of the really common themes that we've heard over the past six years is that if something is weird or off with your body, yep. go and get it checked okay. because, yeah. you know, best Definitely case go. it's nothing. And it's been a minor inconvenience for you to go and get it checked. Worst case, it's something that you had to get checked yeah. and you did the best case scenario to take the most care of it. Well, it's like, so, the, it's yeah. like the whole COVID thing, especially those early days. It's like, 
There's no such thing as being too precautious. Yeah, just go get yeah. a test. Just get you know, get it get it sorted get it so checked. that you don't so you don't end up worst case scenario. I I'm dying to know how you know, so they they tell you you've got this this crazy form of shingles that is like d- disseminating shingles. Yeah. Um and they they put you in this in this bubble room. Mm-hmm. What what then? Like how did they how do they go about treating you? Well, they they suit up. They look like you're treating someone with COVID. They've got, you know, they've got goggles and masks and gowns and shoe covers and hats. And, you know, you feel like you're in the set of outbreak. Yeah. When they come in and they, they, they try to cluster care. They come in and they do what they need to do and then they leave. And one of the bonuses to me being a nurse is every time that IV pump went off, I'd say, hey, it's beefing again. They said, okay, can you do this, this and this? I'm like, oh, yeah. I got it. I just yeah, do right, it. Right. What, what did they, what did they just, did they just treat you with like a really high dose of antiviral medication? Yeah. To and try steroids, to, lots and, steroids. and lots of steroids to try and decrease the inflammation in my face. But ultimately it I had to wait for the nerves to regrow because there's this little bony canal that comes through and it gets compressed and then the nerve dies and it does come back, but sometimes it doesn't come back the way you want it to. Holy, right. So right now, if I eat, I cry, my eye, my eye runs. Right. So it's like crocodile tears. That's yeah. what they call it. And we know and how much your husband loves crocodiles. Crocodiles. So that's, I mean, that's great. <laughs> so it's just a win-win. Oh yeah. In fact, I started calling myself Fiona from Shrek because eating was difficult. And oh. I mean, you gotta, you gotta oh. just make fun of it. You know, yeah, I totally. live in the swamp, so it doesn't matter if I drool when I eat or I cry when I eat, <laughs> yeah. you know, I just, yeah, I'm Fiona and I live in the swamp and I can eat how I like. <laughs> it does that now this uh, Fiona eating from the swamp, does this have anything to do with the pepperoni incident? Yeah. So I had a lot of trouble oh. with my stomach when I was in hospital and I'd be hungry. I'd eat, I'd throw up. And oh. that went on for about two and a half weeks after they let me out of isolation. So I was in the hospital for 21 days. During COVID with no wow. vaccine. Wow. Oh, so no one day I was feeling better and my husband started to bring food in because hospital food, they try, but it's hospital food. Yeah. You know, and so he went and Do they got, try though? Yeah, <laughs> they did. They, 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 the, the dietitian came to talk to me and asked me, you know, what I thought I'd like to eat within reason. Um, Cause I, I, I would look at eggs and just go, nope, yeah. nope. And oatmeal same thing so they started sending me peanut butter and toast and you know then I I, she came up again and I said can I have a muffin the only problem with hospitals they put bran and everything so it tends to ruin it but you know it's uh they did try although towards the end my husband was bringing food in because I really missed him he really missed me and there was some normalcy to eat together yeah. And the hospital had relaxed the COVID no visitors policy because people were sneaking in and they just, they allowed one person per person. And because I have an anxiety disorder, they allowed my um, significant other to come and they, they didn't, didn't mind if he stayed after visiting hours, as long as we were quiet about it. Right. So think- he brought wood, wood oven pizza oh, that's and awesome. um, it was pepperoni pizza and it's delicious and it didn't sit very well. So the next thing you know, I've Uh-oh. got a basin, up comes the pepperoni, and about five minutes later, my eyes watering and watering and watering, and I'm blowing my nose, and out pops a piece of pepperoni, and I'm like, out of your no. nose. Out of my nose, yes. No. <laughs> that was the last thing I ever oh, want to see coming so out of my disgusting. nose. Disgusting. <laughs> oh. Did, oh, did no. you? We just had to howl. Yeah. yeah. We couldn't do of anything course. but laugh. Did you eat it? No. Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no. I mean, she's not a it dog. It had snot on it. <laughs> that's a that's a dog thing. Now that's Jacob, Jacob, my dog, he would have eaten it. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Donut would eat that shit. Oh my no god, mm. no problem. Lucky, he eats the boogers lucky, out of his own eye. Lucky, lucky yes. to eat his own shit. My yeah. dog does too. That's yeah. a dog thing. He don't <sighs> eat shit the yeah. other day. I mean, look, that and like <laughs> and, Charming. You, and you just go, how? Why? Why? Because they're like, a dog. Hey, yeah, I have a question. It's it's mind blowing because their noses are so good. They're so good. You'd think. You'd maybe, think that there'd be maybe, no way. That maybe they, they did, de- maybe they decode the scent in a different way than we do. <laughs> I have a question. Do, do you think that they put that the reason that they put bran in everything in the hospital is because they're given so many opioids to, to yes. no one can take a shit. 
Yes. So they're like, yeah, put fiber. brand in everything. Let's yeah. just fiber fiber these motherfuckers up. <laughs> yeah. Get them get them reg- sure. get them regular just to counteract <laughs> all the all the dilated and yeah. fucking Yeah. It's crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I didn't get out of bed for about well, I I think I got out of bed twice the entire time I was there because I mean, the poor healthcare workers are so overstretched. They didn't have two people to walk me to the bathroom. Yeah. You know, like the 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 acuity on the wards just gets three times as bad because the only people that are admitted are people that are septic or, you know, have COVID or whatever, um, or are otherwise too sick to be looked after at home. And, you know, they're just run off their feet. And, you know, if my husband, my husband would come and help me take a bath if I felt well enough to do so. But, you know, it, it was both the, the longest three weeks of my life, but also sometimes the shortest, if that makes any sense, because you spend a lot of time sleeping and, you know, just sort of trying to get better enough to be able to go home. Now, Mm. did this experience trigger your arthritis in, in any ways? No, because I was on so much prednisone that, you know, I probably could have lifted weights, like big weights. Yeah, Yeah, right. Um, Prednisone basically clears up your skin and it clears up your joints and, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't until I came home that my skin started going insane, but that's really common after being septic, you get skin rashes, um, good portion of my hair is short now. Cause a good portion of it fell out about a month or so after I came home because wow. you get this shock to your system. And yeah. so, you know, it's not so not bad enough that your face is all flaccid, but then you have to, you know, worry about the fact that your hair is coming out in, in, yeah. in clumps. So this just goes back to the whole Fiona from the swamp thing. And yeah. I, I'd have to say, like, I've never been so grateful for masks in my life. You know, you just <laughs> yeah. put the yeah. mask on, yeah. stick a hat on and yeah. you're good. Yeah. Jennifer, I'm, I'm curious if, if, um, if there was anything that surprised you, um, during your stay in the hospital uh from from being a nurse and working in the hospital to then becoming a patient was there anything that surprised you yeah um when i was in the hospital and they merged and they came to say if you have to go to the icu and you code what do you want us to do mm. i didn't realize i was that sick that's so scary. actually having to make the decision of whether i wanted ventilation whether i wanted cpr all that kind of stuff. Because when, I mean, I'm 50 years old, you don't think about, you know, the fact that you could be so sick that you might have to go to the ICU. Yeah. You know, I, I had, when I was down in Emerge, my, my heart, the reason why they knew I was septic, my, my um, heart enzymes were critical. My kidneys were not happy and my liver enzymes were through the roof. So yeah. basically I had the start of, of multi-organ failure. I can imagine that, that like having, uh, a medical background too, and understanding really understanding what those yep. numbers mean and having somebody tell you those yep. things is that harder to hear yes because you think of yourself as being on the other side of the bed you don't think mm. of yourself as being in the bed and you don't really feel as awful as the test results say you, that you're kind of grunging along right like I had no idea I was having heart problems I didn't understand why everyone was asking me if I was short of breath or had chest pains because mm. I didn't and I guess initially they thought I was having a heart attack but I wasn't it was a um, lack of oxygen to the heart from um, just perfusion issues from having sepsis yeah and, so you know yeah. you um you one of the things you said earlier on in the podcast was that um because of your arthritis, you had to you had to stop your work as a nurse. Yeah. Um, and now you're you're a, a jeweler. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm a silversmith. Yeah. A silversmith. Uh, what uh, what kind of uh, what kind of smithing do you do? What kind of what kind of things do you make? I make um, lots of pendants with stones. I make bracelets, rings, earrings. You name it. I work with metal clay. I work with sheet metal. I do a lot of what's called organic casting, which means that I melt down silver and pour it into various household products, trying to come up with something cool, like water. I pour molten silver into water. It gives you these beautiful little cups, look like shells. I pour water into common road salt, which gives you formations look like corals. And I also will like soak one of those standard corn brooms that you get 
for whisking um, out a tent. Um, I'll soak one of those in water for 24 hours, pour molten silver into it, and you get these things that look like driftwood. It's Whoa. it's a lot of fun. Cool. Oh, where where uh, do, do you have like an Instagram account? Where can people find your work? It's under Urban Princess Designs on um, Instagram. I'm looking it up right now. That's really cool. Wow. I, I'm a, oh my god, this is beautiful. Holy thank fuck. you. And the dog is very. Is cute. that your dog? Which one is is is, uh, is it a big gold, dog or a little big, dog? Big golden retriever. Big, big, that's probably Jacob. Oh, that dog I, looked after me when I was recovering. He never left my side. Oh, oh. I got a golden retriever puppy like four oh, months ago now, and they're uh, so cute. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. you're so. You're, you know, you're a year out now from the, the Ramsey Hunt disease. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you today? Like, wh- where would you, where, where do you feel like you are in terms of your recovery process from, from that experience? I'm probably sitting at about 80%. I mean, I, I, I need to have some work done on my face. Um, I'm supposed to be having some Botox to see if they get my eye to open up a bit more, try and decrease the tightness in my cheeks so that it's not so painful because things get so, so tight. Mm. Um, if that doesn't work, um, and, and the physio doesn't work, then we might be looking at some kind of facial reanimation surgery, but it's way too early to talk about that yet. Yeah. Right. What does that mean? Facial reanimation surgery? There's, There's no surgeries one. that they do. Like, I think they, they change the way the muscles attach to the Whoa, nerves wow. and try and loosen things up so that you have, you can smile without your eye shutting or yeah. eat without, without having your, your, the, tears running down your face or try and deal with some of that but it's a last resort yeah. you know it's it's kind of like they can do things like they can do um eye lifts to kind of lift things up so that your eye isn't so shut because it does make seeing difficult right like you're trying to yeah, no work doubt. on something and then it's it's drooping yeah and just to you know to, to kind of relieve some of that tension in your face yeah. which is quite uncomfortable what would you but say? The vertigo's is, gone. If, so. Thank fuck. Thank God. My that God. Sounds, that sounds. Um, out of, I mean, out of all of it, like the 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 arthritis, the Ramsey Hunt disease. What would you say is the biggest thing that that those things have taken away from you? My job. Yeah. My job. Um, the ability to have uh like a full time job. Um, you know, like it's. I mean, it's fun to be an artist, and I probably would have done it anyway. But there's a certain financial, you know, what's the word? Um, oh, just the security yeah. of having a, like a pension. I don't, I don't have a pension. I, I'll get one, but it'll just be a little one. And, you know, like, where would I be had I had a full nursing career? You know, would I be further along in my business? You know, um, and, and, Pre-humira, it would have been, you know, being able to do more physical things Mm. like do like, you know, like, um, you know, do some hiking um, or more things like skiing, more sports. Yeah. You know, things that you have to worry, you know, am I going to fall and hurt my wrist and, you know, that kind of thing. What would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? Self-reliance. Like disabilities aren't an automatic, well, that's going to, you know, that's going to ruin my life. Cause no, it won't. It's about learning to do things differently. I mean, just because I can't jump out of uh, a plane doesn't mean my life is over. You know, like I, I there are other things you can do. Mm. Right. I, I thought I wasn't ever going to be able to travel because of the immunosuppression. We've managed to travel. We went to Bali. We enjoyed it. We had a great time. You just have to be a little more careful about what you eat and yeah. where you go. Yeah. And jumping out of, I mean, jumping out of a plane, you know, your life would be over in a matter of seconds. Yeah, um, especially if your parachute doesn't work. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Right. If you had a parachute, maybe that would work. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I'm, I'm not a really extreme sports nut anyway. It's just, you know, there were certain things that being arthritic that you couldn't do. And mm. part of it is more along the lines of, and I'm sure that this will resonate with you, Jeremy, is like you want to do something. You're planning to go out and party and, you know, you come down with pneumonia, you can't go. Mm. Or, yeah. you know, for, for me, it would be like if I overdo it the day before, then I may not have the energy to go. And, and when you're really young, like when I was 29, when I was diagnosed, I lost friends because of that, because they wanted the old gen. 
And it's like the old gen doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I have to adapt. Yeah. And now I have friends that, you know, um, I work, I used, I, I'd spent some time working at one of the local service dog schools. And I spent a year there when I was coming off disability in 2009 to get work experience because I, I hadn't worked in 12 years. I was on long-term disability. And um, I met friends there that I still have today. Mm. You know, uh, I have a friend with a pads dog and she's awesome. And, you know, it, people with disabilities just live differently. It doesn't mean that we don't have fulfilling lives. Yeah. And that's one of the key messages that I give, you know, you just can't, you just can't give up. You just do things differently. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I have a few more tools in my workshop because there's certain things I can't, I, I can't do. I don't have the hand strength for. So I save up and I buy a ring stretcher. So I don't have to pound my own rings or stretch my own rings. It, it, you know, tools will do many things and there's certain types of jewelry. I, I don't do a lot of handwork chains, for example, because they're hard on my hands, but you know, it's um, by and large, I say I've had a, a very fulfilling life. Mm. Well, again, it's uh, urbanprincessdesigns.com and on Instagram, urban underscore princess underscore designs. Uh, highly suggest you go check it out because it, it really, I mean, just really beautiful stuff. Um, Jennifer, this has been such a treat to, to sit down and chat with you about, uh, about arthritis and, and about, about Ramsey Hunt disease. Thanks for taking time out of your day today to, uh, to do this. It really does mean a lot. It's been great getting to know you guys, and um, I'm honored to be on Sick Boy. Well, there you go, folks. That was our conversation with Jennifer. And uh, man, what a mind boggler. Um, Ramsey Hunt disease, not to be fucked with. Um, folks, hope you're doing well out there. We're so, so happy that you are continuing to support the podcast. And uh, if you haven't already done it, I would highly suggest that you leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're listening to the show. Or perhaps you're listening on Spotify, where you can leave a rating now. Um, it's just on the main Sick Boy page on Spotify, right below our title. You'll see a little, a little place to leave a rating, and we would really appreciate a five-star rating there if you if you would be so kind. Um, and of course, every Friday we are coming at you here, wherever here is, or also over on YouTube with our Feel Good Friday episodes. So if you're a YouTuber or if you uh, like to watch your podcasts, uh, or if you like to just have the podcast playing in video, but listening to the audio as you putter around your house doing whatever the hell you're doing, uh, go on over to YouTube, look up Sick Boy and hit the subscribe button there. Um, thanks again, folks. And hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back uh, very soon on Wednesday then Friday and then again Monday. That's the deal. So we'll see you then. Sick Boy Podcast is produced by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The theme music is coming from our friend Rich O'Coin. Nope, that's our Wednesday episodes. This is a Monday. Theme music for today is Take Part. And uh, the podcast is produced um, or managed rather by Jeffrey Lonis. And of course, the beautiful sound design and mixing is from our friend Donovan the Meerkat Morgan. That is it for this week. Until next week, I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.